Good morning, everybody. Welcome. My name is Brian Carlucci. I'm one of the pastors here at Cornerstone. And um, I've already got a couple texts that this is a convenient streaming morning. So those of you watching at home, welcome as well. I'd like to begin today with just leading us in a time of prayer. There's a lot of things going on in the world, and I think one of the best things we can do when we get together is pray for the needs that are going on in the world and in our community. So let's bow our heads, and I'll lead us, and just lift some, let's lift some people up who are really struggling right now. So Father, right now we think of what's happening around the world, and specifically the war in Europe and in Ukraine, and we ask God for, we ask for peace, we ask for a speedy resolution We ask that you would uh, stop the aggressors. We pray that you would protect innocent life. And we pray, God, that you would just move in the ways that you have throughout history to do something amazing. Lastly, Father, we pray for the church in Ukraine. Many of them right now are underground, literally, but they're having to go into hiding. I pray that you would empower the church there to do what only the church can do, that you might be present there through their lives. And so we pray for them and we lift them up. And we think of them today and we ask for peace. And then, Father, closer to home, we also think of the many people who are trying to rebuild their lives after the Marshall Fire. And there are incredible hurdles that they are now facing. The cost of rebuilding, um, building codes, bureaucracy, all of the things that are just becoming these imposing challenges that many people are not able to push through. And they're now having to look at life away from this county. We pray, God, that you would move. We pray that you would work. We pray that you would work through the decision makers, through the politicians. We pray that you'd work through the builders. We pray that uh, just the astronomical costs of building would come down so that these families could rebuild their lives. And so we ask that you would do what we can. We would love to help. And we can in different ways, but we pray that you would work. Father, I pray that you'd use the generosity that was poured out throughout the, around the world to this county. I pray that that money would get to the right people at the right time so that you could help them rebuild their lives. And then lastly, Lord, I know that there are dozens of people that are part of our community here who are struggling. Whether it's physical health and sickness and they're staring down a, a difficult road of disease and struggle or they're on the front end of marriage struggles or relational struggles, whatever it might be, God, we lift up those around us who are struggling. May they know that they are not alone. There are many that struggle and we all take our turn, but here in a community, Father, we share those burdens together. So I pray that they would have the courage to share that struggle with a friend, that we might stand there with them in your place, representing you, Jesus, as they walk through these difficult times. And so, Lord, we pray for these difficult times. We pray that they would be led. We pray that on the back end that they would see the faithfulness and the renewal of God. And so we thank you for what's coming, but we lift up our friends who are struggling. And thank you for this church that we get to pray and lift others up. Thank you that we're not disconnected from the pain in this world, but it's the joy set before us that you've asked us to do what you did, to endure a cross, to lose ourselves so that we might live and bring healing into this world. Help our church to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you guys. Um, Speaking of making a difference in the world, several times a year, I like to tell you about a man named John Woolman. Remember that name? All right, good, that's why I need to keep telling you. Uh, It's very popular today to know what a bad Christian looks like, so because of that, I think it's important that we know what a good Christian looks like to use for, for not having good words to describe it. John Woolman is what you would describe as a good Christian, the kind that we'd wanna be like. He was an 18th century Quaker who lived in Delaware, Pennsylvania area. 
John Woolman is most famous for uh, being the primary leader among the Quaker faith that abolished slavery 100 years before the Emancipation Proclamation in the United States. So in uh, the 1754 meeting of the Quakers in the, state of, or the colony of Pennsylvania, John Woolman got up and once again, he had done this many times, year after year, said we need to end slavery among us and God finally worked through a group of people and they ended slavery. And then for the next 20 years, John Woolman would travel around the rest of the colonies in his Quaker family of faith, and he would advocate for the ending of slavery in all of these different colonies. And by the time that he died 20 years later, every, uh, every group of Quakers in the colonies had ended slavery, not only that, but had paid back all of their slaves for time lost. Amazing. Before the Revolutionary War, a lot of people don't know this, it was an amazing, amazing accomplishment. It's what John Woolman's most well known for. But you actually have to get into an, a really an amazing little book. It's the Journal of John Woolman. By the way, it's the second longest published book in the United States behind the Bible, okay? The Journal of John Woolman. It was published just a couple years after his life, right after he died, right before the, the Revolutionary War. But when you read the Journal of John Woolman, you see that he was an example of many things. He's an example of the justice stream that we're going to teach in a moment. He's an example of the evangelical stream that Aaron taught a few weeks ago. But for the sake of today, I want to use him as an example of the charismatic stream or the spirit-centered life. Because when you read his intimate recordings of the day, you see that he was well acquainted with the Holy Spirit. He asked the Holy Spirit to lead his life, and he asked the Holy Spirit to empower his actions. And so a lot of times when we think about the Holy Spirit empowering us and doing amazing things, we think of the miraculous gifts. We think of the fireworks that some people describe. But John Woolman used the Holy Spirit to supernaturally empower his gentleness and his kindness and his thoughtfulness and his wisdom. John Woolman ended up being a preacher that would travel around uh, those colonies the last few years. But what made him most influential is he would sit at the table with slave owners and in a gentle, loving, respectful way, he would advocate for the sanctity of life and all people. And so I want to tell you a couple stories that just give you an example of how God empowered his gentleness, his wisdom, his knowledge. When John was, uh, this was actually one of, uh, one of those younger years, John was working as a clerk. And one day a man came in who had recently been injured and he wanted to write a will because he was aware that maybe he would die soon. And so he comes in and he starts sharing the details of all of his estate. And one of the pieces of property that this man listed was a slave. And so he said, I want my slave to go to my daughter when I die. Well, John that night went home and began to work on, um, on this will that he would give back to the man in a couple days. And as he often would say, his, um, his heart and his mind was conflicted. He even used words like this, afflicted because of the evil that was in the world and that he was seeing. And so he went back to the man the next day and he had finished his will, except the part about the slave. And he said, here's your will. And I just want you to know that I can't finish any more of this. I can't be a part of passing a person on as property. And so because I didn't complete the will that you liked me, the way you wanted me to, I'm gonna do this free of charge. The man was so moved. The man wanting the will was so moved by his gentleness and his respect and his compassion. And contrast that to, to how many people today advocate for these things. Okay? He was so moved by John's gentleness and wisdom, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that it, uh, in John's journal it says they went on to have a long conference, which is an old way of saying a long conversation. 
At the end of that conversation, the man freed a slave. Now, this happened over and over again. Many years later, when he was down in South Carolina, or North Carolina, actually, <clears throat> speaking at different Quaker houses, he was hosted one evening by a family, and he was there in the home, and he was having dinner, and he began to inquire about those that were serving him because he had a feeling that they were slaves, and the homeowner, the host, said, yes, these, these are my slaves. That night, John once again said that he was afflicted of mind and heart, that he was a part of slaves serving him. So that night, in the middle of the night, he got up, and he walked over to the slave, slave uh, house, and he thanked those that had served him that day, and he paid them. They described the first time they'd ever been paid in their life. He thanked them, and he paid them, and then he penned a note that he left with the homeowner or the host, and he said, I just can't be a part of this. This isn't, what, this isn't congruent with the gospel and what God is doing in our lives. Once again, he was so respectful and gentle in the way he advocated for something that was just. The man was moved, and the Holy Spirit worked in his life, and that day he freed dozens of slaves. Now, this kind of thing happened over and over and over again. John Woolman, I would argue, is one, was one of the most powerful men or women that has ever lived in our country, but most people don't know about him because he wasn't rich and he didn't hold some high political office, yet he was influential. God used him to change the world because the spirit was something that he was tapping into on a daily basis. Now, I tell you that story because we're going to get into the spirit-centered life or the charismatic stream. We're in a series called There is a River where we are teaching through the seven historic streams to Christianity, the different family traditions. It's not just about understanding the history of our faith. This is about understanding the faith of Jesus and how we can go deeper in our faith with Jesus. And so Jesus certainly was a spirit-centered person. And he relied on the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost to do amazing things in him. This is how we're defining the spirit-centered life or the charismatic stream today. It is a life empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the works of God. Now, this works really, really well with the stream we're going to look at next week, the holiness tradition or the virtue-centered life, because that life is a life empowered by the Holy Spirit to take on the character of God. So you have the character of God that's being empowered by the Spirit, but you have the works of God that are being empowered by the Spirit, which we're looking at today. So here's the big idea. God shares his power with us through certain vessels that we call the gift. Remember um, the message last week? I used the illustration that God places treasure and he hides it in jars of clay. So the human heart is a jar of clay. Creation is a jar of clay. The way we worship is a jar of clay. God shares his power, treasure, with us through something the Bible calls the spiritual gifts. And so I want to teach you a couple words they have to do with power and gifts and take you to several passages, okay? The first word I want you to see is the Greek word that we get for power or ability. It's one of my very favorite words. It's the only Greek word that shows up on the wrestling mat when I'm coaching the boys, and it's the word for power. I tell them, you need to get some dunamis. And they look at me very weird when I say that to them, like it's something inappropriate, but it simply means power. Or I tell the boys, it means juice, it means energy. It means strength, it means ability. Ephesians chapter three is one of the places that we see the spirit wants to share and he's giving this power to us. For this reason, I kneel before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So the spirit makes room 
for Jesus in our hearts. And then he goes on, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people. So this is something we share in common, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. The point of God pouring out power in the world, the point of God sharing it in the gifts is so that people like us and people all over the world might not just know that God loves them or think that that's a message that they've heard before, but they might grasp it and make it their own. We know the difference, right, between something that's true and something that's real. It's true that God loves us, but for a lot of people, it doesn't feel real. And so God pours out power to make it real, to transform people's lives. And so that word there is dunamis. Strength, power to perform miracles, inherent power by the nature of someone's virtue, moral power of excellence, power of wealth, power of numbers. These are the ways dunamis is used throughout the scripture. God shares all of those things with us. Now here's the second word, and this is where the power is funneled into. God's power is shared in the gifts. One of those passages is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where it says this, and we'll go back to it in a moment. By the way, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14 the best place to understand the gifts. Okay, if you want to look at one section of scripture about it, go to those three chapters. But here's what Paul says. There are different kinds of gifts. And this is the Greek word charis. The word from which we get charisma or charismatic. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, And in everyone, it is the same God at work. God shares his power through the gifts. Kara simply means a grace or a gift, and often it's used to describe a supernatural tool or ability. So it's not just a grace in the sense that God's giving us a gift for ourselves. It's a gift in the sense that it's something that's meant to be used for others. God gives the gift of power that he wants to share with me, he doesn't give it to me, he gives it to you to share with me. God wants to help you grasp his love through his power by giving people like me gifts to share with you. Gifts are for others. So it's a gift, it's a grace, it's a tool that God wants to use. Now before we get into the gifts, because I'm going to spend most of my time today going through the gifts because I think Really what the Lord wants for us today is that we would all leave understanding that God has given us something to share with others. I'll say this about this word, charismatic. It's kind of like evangelical. It makes some people cringe. Right? These are historic words. They have lots of baggage. Last week we used the word incarnational. That was fine. No one has baggage with that because no one knows what it means. Right? Just like seminary, I learned a bunch of words that I still don't know what they mean. But we have a sense when we think of charismatic. Like when I was a kid, I thought of the movie Leap of Faith with Steve Martin. Remember that movie? My mom and dad loved Steve Martin. Just this weird evangelist that pretended to heal people, to do amazing things. It's just a scam. But we all have baggage. But it doesn't mean that it's not true. The Holy Spirit has been placed inside of every believer And with that comes certain gifts. All of you have those gifts, which makes us all charismatic. We all are meant to live a spirit-empowered life to do the things that God would do. All right, saying that, let me 
go to the message of the gifts that we find throughout the scripture. There's four important things, and this is the way I want to challenge you today. First of all, I want you to see that to every one of us, to each one of us, has been given a cherus, a gift, a charis, a grace that is needed by others. There's been something placed inside of you beyond your personality, beyond your interests, that comes from God. We know that he puts his nature inside of us, right? It's what it ultimately means to be human, that we are made in the image of God to be like him. But then through the Holy Spirit, we get the ministry of Jesus, the quality of Jesus placed inside of us, so we all have that. Number two, we are all limited in the good that we can accomplish on our own. And so what this does is it helps us and reminds us to embrace our limits, and it keeps us humble and dependent on one another. One of the signs that there is you are working out the pride in your life is that you will stay connected to other people. Prideful people often isolate, right? Because they don't need anyone. But what's true is that we need others. We are dependent on them. Number three, we honor and esteem all of the gifts. There are often certain gifts that get honored more. They're all meant to be honored equally. And then number four, love is the motivation for all of this. We see this in the Ephesians passage we just read. And love is meant to be the outcome. The whole point of expressing God's power through the gifts is not to say, look what I did, look what they did. It's to help people grasp the love of God for them. That's the point. Okay, so keep that in mind as we read through some of these passages. And what I wanna do as I read through the passages, I wanna build a list of the spiritual gifts that we find in scripture. Then I'm gonna put into certain categories and help us understand them. Romans chapter 12 is a place we see some of the gifts listed. We have different gifts there's that word, charis, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And to show mercy, do it cheerfully. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 passage that continues from what we read a moment ago, we have a list. Now to each one, The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good, for others. That's the point of the gifts. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing, that one Spirit. Notice it's the one Spirit giving the many gifts. He's repeating that. It's important to him. Verse 10, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits. We know this as discernment. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues and still to another interpretation of tongues. And these are at work, and these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he has distributed them to each one of us just as he determines. They are the fruits of the spirit distributed among God's people. And then 1 Peter chapter 4, there's an encouragement to use the gift, but a few others are mentioned. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So we all have a gift. We're limited in what we can do on our own. We honor all the gifts, and the gifts are meant to lead to people experiencing the love of God. So you can put that list up behind me, but here's a robust list of the spiritual gifts from just the passages we looked at. This is not um, exhaustive, but um, it's pretty accurate. There's the gift of wisdom. 
and knowledge and healing and miraculous powers and prophecy and discernment and tongues and interpretation of tongues and mercy and serving and teaching, encouraging, giving, leading. There's the gift of administration and hospitality and faith. And there are other places where other gifts might be listed or other people describe what we just read in different ways. But you get a picture that God is empowering many different things. There are three different categories of these gifts. You have the leadership gifts, the empowering gifts, and the building gifts. They are all special. Now let me elevate one of them that often gets unnoticed, and it's the gift of mercy. Usually, the gift of mercy is never shown from a stage like this or in a crowd. It's not written about in stories. But you know when you notice the gift of mercy? When you watch the person that has the gift and they sit there holding the hand of someone who's dying. I've, I've had this experience a few different times as a pastor. Walking in the room when someone is dying and, and they're in hospice care and the time is passing. And you find out that so-and-so has been there for days, feeding them, attuning to their needs, showing mercy, holding their hand, hugging loved ones that come in. Every time, every time I've been in that experience and saw someone with the gift of mercy working, I say this to myself, it's amazing. How could they do that? The Spirit is working. Spirit is sharing his power, the power of God, through the gift. So all the gifts are meant to be honored. And the ones that are unseen often need elevated more than the others because they don't get the public honor. And so there are things like service and mercy that need lifted up. So they're all very important. All right, let me take you through some of the categories. I want to help you understand your own gifts. This is the point of it. So first of all, there are the leadership gifts. Ephesians chapter 4 Leadership is broken down into certain categories. Verse 7, but to each one of us, grace, there's that word again, gift has been given as Christ apportioned it. And this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to the people. It's amazing. That's what Jesus was thinking of when he died and rose again, is giving the gifts. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So you could almost say God gifts leaders to help the rest of the church learn to use their gifts. So he gives some the gift of leadership and influence to help others learn how to use their gifts. And so there are different categories here. You have the evangelists. Evangelists and being gifted in this just simply means that they have insight and in how to connect the truths of God with people who are far from God. Have you ever been around someone who just like, it, it's, it's so easy the way they talk about faith and they don't make it weird for other people and they don't scare people and they make the gospel attractive and beautiful and you just listen to them and you're like, that's amazing. I wish I could talk that way. Most likely that person has the spiritual gift of, as an evangelist. They have that leadership, that influence. Then there's the apostolic type of leadership. These are the leaders who see new things, new horizons. They dream. They're not held down by the things that see in front of them, but they trust that God can do amazing things, so they're always taking new ground. Often entrepreneurs, they don't know it, but they have apostolic gifting. 
because they're able to create something out of nothing. Those are the more external gifts of leadership, but then there are the internal ones that happen more in the church. You have pastoral leadership. These are shepherds. By the way, everyone needs a shepherd. Everyone. I have a couple mentors in my life that act like shepherds for me. I mean, you need people who worry about you, think about you, pray for you, challenge you, care for you. That's what a pastor does. Then there's the teachers. These are people that help make the truths of God, the mysteries of God, accessible to us, help us understand. I mean, there are some people that are just better at communicating, aren't they? They help break it down. These are the teaching gifts. And then there are uh, the prophetic gifts. Prophetic gifts, they can see what God is doing in a person in the moment. They can connect heaven and earth in a moment. They can anticipate what God is doing. And so you put all of these things together, the evangelist, the apostolic gifts, pastoral gifts, teaching gifts, prophetic gifts. You have what the church needs to be led. And I'm glad to say that at Cornerstone, we have all of these gifts in our leadership. I don't have all of them. There's not a single staff person or leader in our church or council member that has all of them, but together, they're all represented. So we have the leadership gifts. We also have the empowering gifts. Richard Foster, who's our favorite author for this series from his book, Streams of Living Water, he calls these the ecstatic empowerment gifts. I call these gifts the fireworks. And think about a firework. When, they go, when a firework goes off at the right time in the right place, we all say, wow, right? It's beautiful. But if a firework goes off in the wrong place, like a house, at the wrong time, we say, oh, crap, right? It can be a great big mess. But these are very important gifts in the church today. So here are some of them that were listed that we read. Prophecy. Sharing prophetic words with someone. God can actually share with me something that I can share with you. That's for you. Now, those that have prophetic gifts have to be really wise in what to share and when to share. But God can speak through people. By the way, God has given all of us certain gifts that are just a part of us. And then he gives us certain gifting at certain times. So, you know, my wife, Elise, ever since I've known her, has the gift of discernment. I cannot fool her. She, she, and discernment means you, you're able to pick up on motives and good and evil. She's good at it. My, my third son, Levi, has the gift of giving. He always has. Okay, so there are some gifts that just, I think you're just born with, or when, you know, you're born again with. But then there are times that God gives you certain gifts, or you can learn to use them, and, and prophecy can be one of those. You can learn how to do this from other people. Like prophecy, there are words of knowledge. God shares insight to the things happening. One of the things that I've done for many years here as a pastor, towards the end of every calendar year, so November or December, I begin to pray and I say, God, give me a word or a theme for our church for, for the coming year. And I begin to pray and then I wait and it usually takes several weeks, but every year, right around the middle of January, the Lord begins to share something with me. I believe it's the Spirit empowering a word of knowledge for us. God can do that, it's a word of knowledge. Then there is healing, and I think we understand healing. It's the restoration of health. It's the mending of things that are broken, mind, body, and soul. We believe God can do all of those things. I can tell you stories of healing in this church. I can also tell you stories where we prayed for healing and someone died. I do not understand why God chooses to uh, exercise this gift at certain times, and he doesn't at other times, but you know what? He's done it enough that it keeps me asking. 
I'd rather ask and be disappointed when it doesn't happen and wrestle with it than to never ask. And that's a hard thing for many Christians to do. Then there's miraculous powers. Often this is things just, you know, God does amazing things in your life and visions. There's speaking in tongues. Tongues can have been defined as a prayer language, your spirit speaking to God, and, and, and the, often you don't know what it means. That's why there's another gift that comes with that, the interpretation of tongues. Help us understand what's being said. Other places in the Bible, the tongues are described as a real living language on earth that's shared by someone who doesn't speak that language for the sake of other people in the room who know that language. Does that make sense? So if there was someone here that spoke Mandarin and they couldn't hear me and the Spirit chose to work in such a way, he would empower me in such a way that I could speak that language without knowing it. It's amazing. It's a firework, right? You watch that and you go, holy cow. Now the thing about the empowering gifts is God usually and most often uses these to show people that God is present where people assume that he's not, okay? That's the power behind these gifts. God blows people's socks off when they think God is not there, that he doesn't exist, that he doesn't care. And so there are many examples of this in scripture and throughout history. So one example in scripture is in Acts chapter 10. It's the story of Cornelius and he's the Roman soldier. And there was a discussion going around among the early, uh, the first disciples and the apostles. Is this new movement following Jesus and the Holy Spirit being poured out in people's life? Is this for other people who aren't Jewish? And there was a debate and there was an argument going on because up to this point, everything was Jewish about the faith. That was the context for it. And God did something amazing. And so for Cornelius, he begins to pray. And an angel shows up to him and gives him a vision and said, I want you to send someone to a town called Joppa and to this one person's house. And there you will find a man named Peter. He gives him all the details. It's amazing. And it happened just as the angel told him to. But during that time, Peter is given a vision. And Peter's mind is changed because Peter's one of those people saying, no, this is only for Jews. And Peter's mind is changed and said, no, this is for all people. And then Cornelius comes and this amazing thing occurs. Says in verse 44 of Acts chapter 10, while Peter was still speaking these words, telling them about Jesus, the Holy Spirit came down on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, the Jews who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, the non-Jews, for they had heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. God uses the empowering gifts to help people see that he is present, that he is working where people think he's not. By the way, you wanna see some of these gifts? I wish, you know, we have the, these are active in our church. All of them are welcome here at Cornerstone. But you really wanna see these gifts? Get on the trip, join the trip to Uganda. And holy cow, you will see things you've never seen before, but God is working, and love is the, is the outcome. Here's a contemporary example, and this gives us some understanding about Pentecostal and charismatic history, but in the early 1900s, right around 1906 and 1908, there was an amazing revival that took, took place in Los Angeles on Azusa Street. Many of you have heard of the Azusa Street revival. Uh, a black minister named William Seymour had moved from Kansas and was invited to come to, to Los Angeles and to, to speak about many of the gifts. And uh, while he was there, he was kicked out of one church, and so he ended up in a house, and the house be, became, became too small. Night after night, he would preach. People would fill up this house. Eventually, they buy this building on Azusa Street that was a lumberyard, and amazing things happened. 
for a couple years, the power of God was displayed in a place that people did not think it would be displayed. And here's the thing, too, about when, when God's spirit begins to work. He begins to do the things that he said he would do. He brings people together. And so at the Sousa Street Revival, you have blacks and Latinos and whites worshiping together. You have immigrants who don't even speak the language. They're worshiping together. You have Baptists and Quakers. You don't have Pentecostals yet because they're being formed in the moment, but they're there. And you have Presbyterians. Where have you ever seen that group get together? They're all there for the Azusa Street Revivals. And among some of the first-hand accounts, these are the things that took place. People's sight was restored on the spot. Disease was cured immediately. Immigrants speaking in German and Yiddish and Spanish heard the gospel spoken in their own language by what were told unlearned men who did not know the language. Tongues. My favorite story is a teacher brought who worked at a deaf school, brought 35 girls who couldn't hear. And one day they were there, and a man who had the gift of praying for healing, specifically for those that did not have their hearing, prayed for them. And the account goes that all 35 of them were healed. And the joke was that she had just lost her job. Now, some of these things can be hard to believe. Until you heard people that were there talk about it. And so that's why reading these stories and listening to credible people. And when, when things like that happen here at Cornerstone, we tell you these stories because we want us to understand that God can do and still does amazing things. These are the empowering gifts. By the way, let me say this, um, then I'll move on. Sometimes with these gifts, they're like fireworks. They can be used in the wrong way, in the wrong place, and it gets messy. It actually gets weird sometimes. That's okay. Trust that as a leadership, we will shepherd our church through the weird moments, okay? And our stance on this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, where it says, do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but treat them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject what is evil. And so we're willing to deal with the mess to have the treasure, all right? We're willing to have faulty pots so that we can have the treasure, all right, those are the empowering gifts. And then there are the community building gifts. Let me move through these. Discernment. I mentioned this a moment ago. Example of my wife. Um, Holy Spirit just allows this person and enables them to clearly recognize and distinguish motivations and good from evil. There's the gift of service. Service is the special ability that God gives to certain members of the body to identify unmet needs and the tasks that are involved to meet those needs and they go and do it. There's the gift of mercy we talked about. There's the gift of hospitality, which is incredibly important right now. Creating space, creating home, welcoming environments, places where people can be themselves. Hospitality is an incredible gift. There's a gift of teaching. There's the gifts of giving. The gift of giving is the spirit-empowered capacity and desire to serve God by giving of your material resources beyond the tithe. There's the gift of faith. Spirit provides certain Christians with extraordinary confidence in God's promises, power, and presence to make heroic stands at difficult times. Do you know anyone like that? When all hell's breaking loose, they're the ones that are saying, hey, we're all right. God's with us. I mean, they show, it shows up as courage a lot of times. It shows up as the person that doesn't move when they're not supposed to move yet. It's amazing. A spiritual gift of encouragement 
Simply means to give courage or the, the Greek definition of I love the picture of courage, it's to come alongside, to stand side by side with one that is afraid. Now let me say something about especially these gifts. Now a lot of times we look at this gift, at, at the list of the gifts, and we say, well, certain people have these gifts, but some of these are just commands. We're all commanded at times to be merciful. We're all commanded to serve one another. We're all commanded to give. We're all commanded to have faith, and we're encouraged to have these things. These are, like, these are acts of obedience, but there are certain people among us that just, they have the dunamis. They have a little more. And you know what? They, why they have it? To inspire more of the goodness out of us. Haven't you ever been around someone that's incredibly generous with their money, and you think, wow, I could do that. Or you were around one of those people that have the faith, and they're making that courageous stand. You're like, well, actually... I have some courage now. I have some faith. It's what the gifts are meant to do. They're meant to bring about more and more of that goodness. Now, of that long list, let me remind you, each one of you has a gift to steward or many gifts. And there will be times in your life that the Lord gives you a gift that you might have for a moment, but you're called to steward it. We're all called to embrace our own limits and, and live in community as a body together because we are dependent on one another. We honor the gifts we find in one another. I'd encourage you this week, someone that just has one of those kind of hidden gifts that rarely gets honored, honor him. Call him up, write him a note, send him a text. Tell him how much you appreciate the way God is using them. And then the last thing is we remember love is the motivation and love is the outcome. All right, saying that, I wanna have the, the worship team come out and um, I'm gonna pray for us. I wanna give us a blessing but I do want to give you one more picture of what could happen this week, and I'm hoping that you would receive this as a challenge, okay? So maybe you need to take some notes or write it down as a reminder. But as your pastor, I want to encourage you to do something this week that I hope will show you that God is working in your life and he wants to use you, okay? So it's really simple. It goes like this. I want you to choose one morning this week, and I want you to spend 20 to 30 minutes just in the Lord's presence. Many of you already do this. I do not, all right? I get up at 6.30 or out of the house at 7.30, there is no time in my house in the morning for peace or connection with God. It has to happen at another time. But I want us all to, I want to encourage all of us to find at least one morning this week where we can carve out a little bit of time. So for me, I'm going to have to get up a little earlier, okay? And I want us to just begin spending time with them. So you might open up the scriptures and listen to God speak to you. You might put on a, a worship song if, if you connect to God that way. And I want you to begin to enter into the place of prayer where you're listening to him and you're speaking to God and maybe you're just quiet and you're there in his presence enjoying him. And then after you, you feel connected, okay, you feel aware of God being with you, I want you to ask God to give you one person. I want you to ask God to bring one person that's in your life to mind who you could care for that day. It's a very specific prayer. Father, who is it that I can go to today? Who is it that I might visit today? Who is it that I could write a note to this today? Who is it that I can, can get on the phone and talk to them today? Who is it that I could come to their house and serve them in a certain way? I want you to ask God to give you the name of one person, okay? And when you get that name, you can end your time of prayer, and this is how I want you to proceed the rest of the day. Holy Spirit, show me how to care for them. Now, this is what usually happens to us. I don't know what to do. Well, let God use the gifts that he's given you.
If you're an encourager and he's brought this person to your mind, most likely he needs you to go and encourage that person. If you're one of those people who has the gift of mercy, he's going to bring that person to mind most likely because that person needs some mercy. So you connect and you go. And you let God show you what to do. But you don't have to go without a plan. The gifts that God has given you are part of the plan. He will use the grace that he's placed inside of you, the power, the dunamis inside of you to care for others. So I do this experiment from time to time. Friday, I just sent a text to a friend who's going through a really, really difficult time. And I didn't even know if I'd get a response because I just know they're really busy and they're handling a lot of stuff, including a funeral. And the response back was, this is exactly what I needed to hear. You know, it had nothing to do with me. I just prayed, Lord, who is it today? And what should I do? And he gave me a name. And I did the best I could to be there and to be like Jesus for that person using my gifts. And in an amazing way, it did something for that person. And I'm reminded all over again that God can use us. Every day. And so let's stand together. I want to close with this blessing. It started in Ephesians 3, but really what it is, is it's a prayer and it's a blessing. If you'd like a fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit today, it doesn't have to be, it could be the first time, it could be the hundredth time, but if you want a fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit today, it's going to make room for Jesus in your heart. It's going to help you grasp the love of God that's going to empower you. I just want you to open your hands as I pray for you. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being. So that Christ, that Jesus may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. Father, fill my friends. Fill them with your knowledge, your connection. Fill them with your power. And may you use them. And as you use them, Father, may you fill the earth with your glory and your truth and your love. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.